Today's message is about the Passover. Passover, you've heard the term before, right? You've heard the term Passover? It is the dominant practice in Judaism. The Passover meal, the Seder meal, it is, it is key and foundational to how the Jews practice. And chapter 12 of Exodus is the, it's the center point of the entire book of Exodus. You can even argue it's the, it is the, it's the center point or it's the most important point of the entire Old Testament, the entire Jewish Bible. And so it's actually really important for us to understand what Passover is and why it's important. And it is, it's a heavy topic. It's a heavy bit of a story. Last, last week we talked about the gods of Egypt and how, how God's number one intention was to humiliate the gods of Egypt. And then the second thing was to set God's people free. In the ten plagues, which I, I can't cover the ten plagues, and we would be here literally all day long. So I'll just tell you about a couple that I think that are cool. But in the, in the ten plagues... Each plague is associated or is, is an attack against one of the ten gods. I mean, there was many gods in Egypt, but it was, it was a specific attack towards the gods. So when, when the Lord turned the, the Nile to blood, it's because he was confronting and humiliating the god of the Nile. One of the other fun plagues was frogs. I don't like frogs. I think frogs are kind of creepy. They're gross. They give you warts. Hopefully there's no frog fans here. My, my aunt is a frog fan. She collects frogs. Her whole house is full of ceramic frogs. It's, I don't get it. I got an amen. Okay, she's got a frog lady here. Um, frogs were sacred. You know, in the Hindu tradition, cows are sacred. You're not allowed to hurt them or kill them. Even though they taste good, you can't do that. Well, in the Egyptian religion, frogs were sacred. You weren't allowed to kill the things. They were there to be venerated, and they were there to be worshipped. It's kind of weird. So maybe my aunt has got some idol problems. Maybe she's, yeah, I know. It's a joke. And God pours out a plague of frogs. The irony there. I mean, God's got a sense of humor. You can't kill these things, so I'm going to fill your entire house all the way up to the ceiling with frogs. And you can't do anything about it. It's kind of weird, huh? And the plague that just about broke Pharaoh's back was the plague of darkness. I believe it's chapter 10 says that a darkness fell upon Egypt over the whole land. So the, the sky went black. The sun went out. That's a, the sun went out. They couldn't see anything from the sun. And at nighttime, the moon went out. And we can't necessarily appreciate this today because we live in metropolitan Los Angeles where we've got light pollution that is off the scales but in ancient Egypt, you go outside and the whole sky is lit up in the middle of the night with the stars. Those were even darkened. 
The scriptures say that it was a darkness that could be felt. You could feel how dark it was. And even the Egyptians, they're trying to, inside of their homes, they're trying to light a candle. They can't even do that. That's pretty scary, eh? But God's people could light a a candle in in their room and it worked. Like, why is that one so weird? Because it's, an, it's a direct attack on the gods of Egypt. The number one primary god is the god of light, the sun god, Ra. And so Yahweh is saying, hey, Ra, the god of light, the god of the sun, you're nothing. It's pretty cool. I like that one. And when Yahweh humiliated Ra, in, in, in turn, is humiliating Pharaoh, who is the very embodiment of, he is a God in the flesh. That's what they believe, that, that Pharaoh was a living deity, a living God, the represent, representation of Ra. Like that one shook, I mean, Pharaoh was playing around. He was putting his magicians up against God, and, and well, they were losing, but like that one just like, it was, just, it was the ultimate slap in the face. So some strange things that we can't necessarily get into. This would require an in-depth Bible study. But the scriptures say that God hardened Pharaoh's heart. Each and every time, um, whenever, whenever Moses and Aaron would, would present themselves to the Pharaoh, they, they would say, let our people go. You've heard that, right? Pharaoh, Pharaoh, you sung the song in Sunday school. Pharaoh, Pharaoh, let my people go. But then what we, what we forget is there's a little bit more to it. Let my people go so that we could go out into the desert and have a festival and worship our God. Like that's the, that's the big ask. Not just let my people go, but let my people go so that we can go into the desert and worship God. And have a festival. And then there was this um, bartering. There was this bickering back and forth between Pharaoh, the god, who quite honestly was probably possessed by the devil himself. Some people think that. I think that. I think the Pharaoh was, was possessed by the devil. Like literal Satan. Whenever something bad happened, like boils or locusts or one of these, you know, fire from, he- from heaven, I mean, it was just destroying Egypt. And Pharaoh would barter with Moses. He would try and argue with God and say, okay, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll let you go, but you can't go that far. And you've and you got to come back. So that was one of the things. And then God would harden Pharaoh's heart. And he's like, no, we're done. You can't go at all. And another time they approached Pharaoh and then they said, let us go. And this one's interesting. After this darkness plague, Pharaoh's like kind of bending a little bit. He's like, okay, you guys can go. You guys can go and worship in the desert. You can have your little powwow. You can have your festival. Um, the, the word festival means feast. So they're going to go and worship, but they're also going to have a party at the same time. That's what we love about church, eh? And the enemy of God puts conditions on, his, on, on the people. 
Don't let the enemy of God ever put a condition on you. Meaning that don't let the enemy of God said, hey, you know what? Um, Yeah, you need to get right with God. You need to read your Bible, but you can still do this. Josh, you're such a special guy. Only the first 10 rules apply to you because you're such a good guy, but these other rules, they don't apply to you. So if you ever believe lies like that, these are conditional lies that the enemy of God is speaking into you. And so Pharaoh does this with, with God and his people. He says, okay, I'll let you go out and worship, but only the men can go out. The women and the children have to stay here. What's the enemy of God doing? He's dividing the family. Sound familiar these days? Do you know that the enemy of God, like his strategy, one, is to keep you from worshiping, like to get you into this house and to gather as a congregation to worship. The enemy of God will do anything to break that. Like, I don't know, he might bring a plague in, like COVID or something, to stop us from worshiping. He might bring politics in to stop us from worshiping. Someday in this church, he might bring picketers in to stop us from worshiping. You might have to cross a picket line in order to come into this church and worship. That could happen. I got to let's do it. Um, the enemy of God might even give you Netflix to keep you from worshiping. Like, we don't, we don't need picketers. We've got our own selves to fight. We have our own habits and our own behaviors and our own rhythms and our own busyness. You know that when Pharaoh says, oh, man, I, gotta, I don't want these people to worship. I'm going to make them, I'm going to make their work even harder. I'm going to grind them even harder. I'm going to make them go get straw. I'm going to make them get their own straw. What's he doing? He's just making them busy. Isn't that weird? Just think about that. Is the enemy of God making you busy so that you can't worship? You know, busyness is a killer. Get your mind all scattered, get you thinking about things, get you obsessed about anything that does not relate to God. And once you begin to do that, you begin to put other gods before God. And we'll get into the Ten Commandments next week. You put other gods before God. So the enemy of God wants to break your rhythm of worship. Your rhythm of worship is once every week, if not every day. But you've got to do this corporate thing. You've got to get into the rhythm of the Sabbath, the rhythm of worship. Worship's the most important thing that you do. It's not listening to me speak. It's worship. And then the second thing the enemy of God likes to do, he just loves to bring wedges into families. He's going to, he, he will do everything that he can to plant negative seed into your head, into your family's head, into your kids' heads. They will say, I, I, don't, I don't need the structure. I don't need the support. I don't need the biblical foundation of family. The enemy of God will say, yeah, you guys can go and worship in the desert. Okay, here's the irony. What happens when a bunch of guys get together and they try to worship together? Like they're horsing around, snapping each other with towels and drinking beers. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> it's 
why we need women in our lives. So, it's not good enough for us to worship alone. We need to worship together in the context of family. And that's, what God, that's how God designed us. And so the enemy of God is trying to break that. He tried to break it in 3,000, 4,000 years ago. He's trying to break it now. He doesn't want you to worship with your family, with your church family, with your family family. Thanksgiving dinner. If you wonder why Uncle Bob is so cranky, it's because he's being worked over by the devil. I'm just kidding. But, but it could be, right? It could be. All right. Now, the darkness that could be felt was bad enough, right? Like that one scared everybody. Again, like Moses or Pharaoh was like, oh, man, this is not, this is bad. And then he had to send some bugs to bug him. The next and final plague is the most extreme, most disturbing, most questioning that there is. Might even tempt you to question the goodness of God. But after reading this, you need to know, you need to believe in your heart of hearts that God is a good God, always. But he's also a God of justice. Chapter 11, verse 1. Now the Lord had said to Moses, I will bring one more plague on Pharaoh and on Egypt. And after that, he will let you go from here. And when he does, he will drive you completely out. This is kind of fun. Tell the people that the men and the women alike are to ask their neighbors for articles of silver and gold. And the Lord made the Egyptians favorable, favorably disposed towards the people. And Moses himself was highly regarded in Egypt by Pharaoh's officials and the people. So, in short, what that means is there's an instruction that's going on. Moses, I want you to tell the people that they need to start, ready for this, uh, asking for money. So literally, the Jewish, the slaves go to their masters and they said, give me all your money. And the master said, okay, here you go. God made them do it. So that's why when, and when eventually when the, when the Israelites will get in, into the desert, when they screw up, not, I mean, many times they do, they make a golden idol. Guess where they got the gold from? They didn't get it from their minimum wage wages. They got it because they looted Egypt on the way out. They had the wealth of Egypt, the resources of Egypt that they took with them. So Moses said, this is what the Lord says. About midnight, I will go throughout Egypt. Every firstborn son 
and Egypt will die. From the firstborn son of Pharaoh, who sits on the throne, to the first son of the slave girl, who is at her hand mill, and all the firstborn of the cattle as well. There will be a loud wailing throughout Egypt, worse than it has ever been or ever will be again. But among the Israelites, not a dog will bark at any man or animal. Then you will know that the Lord makes a distinction between Egypt and Israel. Okay, pay attention to that. The Lord's making a distinction between Israel and Egypt. Why? Because there was no distinction between God's people and the Egyptians. Maybe with the exception of slavery or whatever, but there was no distinction. Culturally, they were the same. They might have been ethnically different at at some points. But culturally, they were the same. The, The Israelites didn't have the book. They didn't have the law yet. Maybe they had some weird stories about Abraham and Noah and, and the flood and stuff, but I guarantee you these clowns were worshiping the same Egyptian gods. But God needs to change their identity. He needs to break them from their culture. He's going to break them from the Egyptian culture. All of these officials of yours will come to me, bowing down before me and saying, Go, you all, all the people that follow you. After that, I will leave. Then Moses, hot with anger, left Pharaoh. I wish Pharaoh, I wish Moses would have explained this a little bit more. Like Moses is angry. He's hot with anger. What is he mad at? I want to know. He doesn't say. Is he mad at Pharaoh? Is he mad at God? Is he mad about the situation? What's Moses mad about? I wish I knew. I'm going to ask him when I get there, but we don't know. We just know that he's hot with anger. Like, like it's, it's on. Now, when we started this biography of Moses, Moses goes into his calling very reluctantly and giving lots of excuses. He doesn't want to do it. And now he's stepping into his purpose. He's becoming a bold and courageous man. He has faced off Pharaoh now ten times, and he's okay. He is becoming... A confident leader. So, I don't know. I don't know why he's hot with anger. Then the Lord had said to Moses, Pharaoh will refuse to listen to you, so that my wonders may be multiplied in Egypt. Moses and Aaron performed all these wonders before Pharaoh, but the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart and he would not let the Israelites go out of his country. So there's, there's, there's a couple of God is hardening Pharaoh's heart. So is God planning this whole thing? Is he pulling all the strings? Yes, maybe no. But what we do know is that this needed to take place. One rabbi's interesting interpretation of this scripture that we just read. Okay, let's just, let's, just not, let's just not have any sympathy for Pharaoh or any sympathy for the devil. Amen? Amen. I think somebody wrote a rock and roll song about that. <laughs> if the Rolling Stones can figure it out, let's not, let's, 
Let's not have any sympathy for the devil. Let's not have any sympathy for Pharaoh. One rabbi's interpretation of this is that God actually, the Hebrew definition of harden is strengthen. I don't necessarily agree with this interpretation, but we're a thinking church. We think about everything. We think about all the different angles. We think about all the different interpretations. You you can't get stuck in one frame of thinking. But this is an interesting thought, and maybe this could be you. But God strengthened Pharaoh's heart is one interpretation. Strengthened Pharaoh to make the right decision. And yet, because he was possessed, because of his own free will, because of his own arrogance, he still decides to disobey God, even though God gave him the power of strength of heart. Now, I don't 100% agree on that interpretation, but I think it's an interesting thought to think about. That's what, the, that's what some rabbis think. Unfortunately, not all rabbis agree with other rabbis. Imagine that. It's just like pastors. Chapter 12, verse 1, Then the Lord said to Moses and Aaron in Egypt, This month is to you will be the first month of the first month of your year. He is making, God is making something new. They are now starting their calendar year now. This is a brand new beginning. So not only is he separating and breaking them from an Egyptian culture, he's starting a new calendar. He's, He's beginning to implement new things. Tell the whole community of Israel that on the 10th day of the month, each man is to take a lamb for his family one for each household. If any household is too small for a whole lamb, then they must share one with their nearest neighbor, having taken into account the number of people that they are. You are to determine the amount of lamb needed in accordance with each person, what each person will eat. Okay. Now, just reading that, skimming over it, um, you're going to miss something. Something very important, something very crucial. Moses addresses the community. The community. Like, Pastor Josh, why is that why is that so important? Why why what's the big deal? So he addresses the, he addresses the community. All right, there's a little bit more to this word than just comes off as community. This is the very first time it's ever used in the entire Scriptures. And it has religious connotations to it. Community or gathering or the congregation. Moses is naming it. God is having Moses name it for the very first time. This Hebrew word is a spiritual word, meaning that this isn't just a group of people. This is a holy group of people. See, right out of the gate, like we're getting ready to, they're getting ready to be set free, but he, God is working on changing their identity in Him. This Hebrew word is eventually going to get translated into Greek. And when Jesus stands before His people and says, 
The gates of hell will not prevail against the church of Jesus Christ. When Jesus used that word church in the Greek, it's called ekklesia. This word community is where we get our Greek word ekklesia. So what Yahweh is doing, what God is doing, is He's calling His church, His congregation, this this group of people, that when they get together, they get together from a religious mindset, from a spiritual mindset. Amen? And that's what we're doing now. We are the church of Jesus Christ. And when we come together, we come together for spiritual reasons. This ain't no social club. This This isn't a political group. Yeah, we eat a lot, but that's what it's about. We come together and we worship. And so for the very first time, God is calling his people to be a part of a spiritual community, a church, if you will. Here it calls it a, a, a community. And then he's going to begin to reinforce this identity as a people that get together as a community. So it's not just, it's not just that ethnically they're Israelites, Spiritually, they're a community. Can you see it? It's powerful. It might, I think it's powerful. Okay, you guys all right? All right, we're going to skip down. No, no, I need to read this. Verse 7, then they are to take some of the blood and put it on the sides of the tops of the door frames of the houses. They are to eat the lamb. The same night they are to eat the meat roasted over a fire, along with bitter herbs and bread made from made without yeast. Do not eat the meat raw or cooked in water, but roasted over a fire head, legs, and the inner parts. Do not leave any form of it. Do not leave any of it until morning. If some of it is left till morning, you are to burn it. This is how you are to eat it, with your cloak tucked into your belt and your sandals on your feet and your staff in your hand. You eat in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. On the same night, I will pass through Egypt, and I will strike down every firstborn, both men and animals. And I will bring judgment on all of the gods of Egypt. Right there. Judgment upon these gods. I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, not No destruction plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. Did you guys catch that? Okay. All right, we'll skip down to 17. Celebrate the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Part of Passover. Because it was on this very day 
that I brought your divisions out of Egypt. Celebrate this day as a lasting ordinance for generations to come. In the first month, you were to eat the bread made without yeast from everything of the 14th day until the evening of the 21st day. That's the details we don't need to know about, right? Then Moses, 21, summoned all the elders of Israel and said to them, Go at once and select the animals for your families. Slaughter the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop, dip it into the blood in the basin, and put some of the blood on top of both sides of the doorframe. Not one of you shall go out of the door of his house until morning. You've got to stay inside. When the Lord goes through the land to strike down the Egyptians, he will see the blood on the top and the sides of the doorframe, and he will pass over that doorway, and he will not permit the destroyer to enter your house and strike you down. Pretty heavy stuff. I told you. I'm glad you guys were laughing at the beginning. This is heavy stuff. Uh, and your, on your bulletin cover, you, there is, we call it the angel of death. Popular culture and popular preaching refer to this, this is the angel of death. God says, I'm going to send the destroyer. We don't know who or what the destroyer is. If you read, it didn't say it was an angel. It just said it was the destroyer. I did a little study on destroyer. I can't figure out what it is. So it could quite possibly be an angel. We do know we have instances in Scripture where God will send an angel of the Lord or an angel, and like like he's going to get down. He's going to like people are going to die. Could have been just the Lord Himself. The point is, God's a God of justice. Is it unfair that He's going to kill the innocent? Um, yeah, He's making a point. Like, this is a big deal. This is one reason why the Israelites, like, they celebrate this in a big way every year. The Passover meal is central to who they are and what they do. In the Passover meal, it's super complicated. The Jews venerate it so much. There's like 15 steps. Right, Carol? It's super complicated. Like, I don't, I don't have the patience for it. So, like, my fast food culture has to kick in. It's like, give it to me and give it to me now. I'm just going to read a few. Um, how many people like mysteries and solving puzzles? Okay, there's going to be, there's a puzzle in this, me- in this message. I want to see if you can find it. stupid technology. It did it again. Let's see. No. All right. I'm going to have to wing it. So, (laughs) one of the first things that you do in celebrating a Passover meal is you take a sip of wine and then you wash your hands. And then you take, you prepare the meal, and you break the matzah, and then you wash your hands again, and you just take a sip of wine. 
and then you eat some bitter herb, and you do all of these things. I, 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 I've done this meal once before, and I was just long for the ride. I had no idea what was going on. I wasn't paying attention to the details, but the details are important. So it's a big deal for the Jews to do this. And why do they do it? Why do they spend so much time on, sabbat, on, on, on recognizing the Passover? Because it was the day that their nation was born. Like, we're going to get into the Exodus. Like, they're leaving. Their, their sandals are on. They're eating with their staff. Their, their, their coats are tucked in. They're ready to run. Like, they're going to go. Like, it's an exciting time. Moses has gone from being a reluctant leader to being a good leader. And here he is, he is summoning the elders. He says, you guys need to pay attention. You guys, know, you, guys know, you guys need to go kill something. Like, you got to go kill an animal. And you got to put this blood on the door. you got to put it on your frames. And you need to make sure that you obey. You need to make sure you stay inside during this moment. Because when that death angel is going to pass through your camps, you want to make sure you're inside and not outside. When the death angel comes through, you want to make sure that, that you have your door covered in blood. It's a sobering message about the very nature of obedience. Okay, we see Moses starting off as reluctant, and now we see him as being an obedient leader. I mean, he's probably like, really? That's going to do it? A bunch of blood? The truth of the matter is, the blood is for us. It's not for the angel to see. Because the Lord knows the condition and the attitude of your heart. Like, he knows in the spirit who's been covered by the blood of Christ and who hasn't. But for us to to point to pour that blood upon our, our, our houses is saying, I am doing this for me symbolically. So to, I know that like, this is a story that took a long time ago. I mean, it was told a long time ago, but did you know it's applicable today? Do you know that today you can practice this? In ministry life, over and over and over again, we see people dealing with destruction, whether literal death that should not have happened or just the destruction of their lives and the, the ravaging of their souls. Then they come in and they're like, what am I, what's going on? I'm like, well, let's get you healed up. Like, let's get you saved. Let's, like, let's, 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 uh, let's step into freedom. Let's step out of bondage. Let's step into freedom. But did you know that you can't step into freedom unless you've got the blood on your doors? One of the reasons why this story of Pharaoh and Pharaoh's son is so disturbing. One, yeah, Pharaoh's the devil. Two, Pharaoh, if he had a soft heart, if he would have exercised that evil spirit out of his soul, if he would have repented and turned towards the Lord, he could have saved his son. That's heavy stuff, eh? 
One of the things that we hear in the context of ministry, or specifically in the justification of sin in an individual's life, is that, well, I'm doing this, and it's not affecting anyone. I have, I have my thing. I have my behavior. I have my lifestyle. And I'm a good person. And the way that I express myself and my freedoms in this area, it doesn't affect anyone else. Now, that, my friends, is a lie from the pit of hell. Because what you do in public and what you do in private either has real tangible outcomes, but it also has spiritual ramifications. You are responsible for your own personal private life. You're responsible for the thoughts and the impulses and the desires and the temptations that take place between the ears. So we have to soften our hearts if we want to protect our children. We have to soften our hearts if we want to grow and strengthen as individuals and in our communities, our church. You can't, you can't, do, you can't do church with a hardened heart. I think we can get really practical the blood of Jesus Christ washed over our houses. Now, if you were to go home today and sacrifice your poodle to the Lord and wipe its blood upon your doors, your neighbors are going to have some issues with you. We don't have to do that. Like, as believers, like, we don't have to kill animals to get God's approval. Praise Jesus, right? We don't have to do that for, for the forgiveness of sins. We have the ultimate sacrifice. This story is telling us about Jesus and what he does for us. He is that lamb. He is that spotless and pure lamb. So, you don't have to physically wipe blood on your doors to have God's protection and to detour the destroyer from coming in. You can do it from a, a place of heart. Now, I'm a visual, tangible guy. I have anointed my house with oil. Not blood, but oil. I've anointed this church with oil. I've anointed some of you with oil. So, it's just as good as blood. <laughs> Let's see. I have this oil here. It's olive oil from the Holy Land. Pressed by celibate nuns suffering in the desert. They were praying... 50 hours before they did this. I just stop. <laughs> so I have, I have oil from the Holy Land. Does anybody want to borrow my oil so that you can anoint your house so that the story won't come through? Okay. I'm sorry. Carol had her hand up first. So you have to give it back. But you can anoint your house with this oil. 
Now, it's just symbolic, but it carries so much power because this is for us to do. These are, if you will, a ritual, an act that we do to, to put the enemy of God on notice, to say that you're not allowed to come into my house. Some of us, um, some of us need to uh, anoint our TV screens with that stuff. Some of us need to anoint our cell phones with that stuff. Whatever, Mako's going to talk about portals on Tuesday, whatever portal the devil's using to get into your midst, you need to sanctify it. You need to block that door. You need to anoint it with oil. Now, Carol's got my special holy oil. I'm really sorry for the rest of you. You guys are all screwed. <laughs> or, or, you can go to Vaughn's and get your own olive oil. There's nothing magic about it. There's no such thing as magic. It is the blood of Christ that has power. Magic is superstition, but the blood of Jesus is pure power. Get that blood on your doors, either symbolically or have a prayer meeting in front of your house door or whatever it takes. You just, you know, in your mind's eye, you get the blood of Jesus all over your house so that the destroyer says, oh, I can't go in there. You guys okay? <laughs> yeah, this um, Seder meal is super complicated. I got way too much ADD to follow that thing. But this is, this is good enough. This is good enough. All the rules and all the regulations, we're going to get into the law. Like, it's, it's just like too much. 600 plus laws. I mean, those 10 laws are hard enough as it is. Do you know that I have broken every single one of those 10 laws? And am I supposed to keep the other 600 in check? I'll talk about this next week, too. Sometimes our human nature says, in order for me to get right with God, I got to get right. I can't come into church unless I got my act together. God can't save me or use me until, I'm start, until I start following the rules. Um, if that's the case, then the, the slaves would have never have left Egypt. They had, no, they had no law. Like, even the exodus in and of itself is a great illustration and a foreshadowing of the grace of God that saves us. We are saved by grace, not by works or not by the law, so that none of us are confused. Those rotten Israelites that were in both cultures that, that worshipped all these different gods that the Egyptians did, that were cranky, that were rude. That, I mean, they were the worst of the worst. I don't know why God likes them, but He does. They're His special people. They didn't have the law. God saved them without it. They didn't deserve it. They didn't rise up. It wasn't the people that rose up. No, if it wasn't for God's leadership and if it wasn't for Moses stepping in and courage, they would still be there. They were not going to dig themselves out of that hole. They needed God to dig them out of that hole, and you need God to dig you out of the hole that you're in. You can't do it on your own. Your goodness stinks. Your righteousness is nothing compared to God's righteousness. You think that you're a good person? You're not. So let's get good, eh? Let's get good. This is how we do it. Jim, if I could have you come up with your band. 
So fathers and mothers, here's your practical application. Now more than ever, your house needs to be anointed and dedicated to the Lord. Now more than ever, you need the shed blood of Jesus Christ upon it, upon your lives, so that the devourer can't come in and kill, steal, and destroy. That one simple act of saying yes to the blood, it is the only condition that you need for protection. Isn't that amazing? And I think the reason why the Jews do this all the time is that they need to be reminded, no, we need the blood. And so I want to encourage families to go home and anoint their house with the blood of Jesus Christ and the symbol of anointing oil that you buy from Vons. I want to encourage you to do that. Like, take the physical act and do it. And when you do, know that God is with you. That this isn't something that, that you've earned. It's something that you've received. Now, um, remember my little bit about the puzzle, the little mystery? Did anybody catch it when I was explaining Shabbat or the Passover meal? I was going to read you the actual stuff, but again, my thing didn't work. But when I was describing, you know, some of those steps, did anybody catch the little mystery there, the little puzzle there? Are you ready for it? When you take the Passover meal, which is symbolized by our communion, our, our communion symbolizes that meal, freedom from slavery, freedom from spiritual oppression. When we receive that, when, when, they, when they receive that meal, they gather around the table. It is a, it's a holy day. They, they're not working on that day. They're giving all of their day to the Lord. It's their Sabbath day. And they, they take a glass of wine, they take a sip, and then they say, why is this night different from any other night? And then they begin to tell the story. And then they take the matzah, and then they eat it. Did you guys catch the difference? All right, a few, few months ago, I was, uh, we, were, we were practicing our communion, we were, we were doing our thing, and... Um, if you guys don't know this, I have, um, I have dyslexia. Sometimes I believe in God and sometimes I believe in dogs. <laughs> um, I will read things backwards. I will say things backwards. I will do things backwards. There's a reason why I failed German, because that whole language is but backwards. <laughs> so, so doing communion, I messed up. And I did the juice first, and then I ate the, then we did the meal. Yeah, that's it right there. That's, that's the little mystery. That's the little, that's the little secret. Did anybody, did anybody discover it? It's okay. Yeah, I just discovered it myself. But in the Jewish tradition, you drink the wine first, and then you eat the meal. 
Isn't that cool? Jesus comes, and when he has the Lord's Supper, he took first the bread and broke it and said, this is my body, which has been broken for you. You do this in remembrance of me. Jesus doesn't get rid of the Passover. He makes it about himself. He changes it. He flips it. He says, this is the new covenant. That Passover meal is cool, but I'm going to make a little tweak. We're going to eat the bread first. We're going to eat the body first. The body that was provided. Jesus will say, I am the bread from heaven. Everything that you require in life has been given to you, and it is in the midst of me. Isn't that cool? So everything that we need is right here in the body of Christ. That is why you want to be consistent in your worship. Because, you know, not only is this the body of Christ, but you are the body of Christ. You have to stay consistent in the body in order to keep that devourer away from you. Receive the body of Christ for your provisions. Only Jesus could change a ritual, a Jewish sacrament that was so important. Only he could make this little tweak. Um, like you and I are like, eh, that's no big deal. But the guy sitting at the table, the guy sitting here with Jesus at the Last Supper, they're like, Jesus got it wrong. He went backwards. No, Jesus says, no, I'm getting it right. It is, it is about this new covenant. That lamb's blood was just purely symbolic. This is the real drink. This is the real deal. And you need to have not only my blood on your door and on your, on your frames, you need to have my blood coursing through your veins. You have the God that defeated the gods of Egypt coursing through your veins for the forgiveness of your sins. So that death angel will pass over you. Receive the blood of Christ for the forgiveness of your sins.
victory in the blood. Amen? Amen. All right. Let's just bow your heads. I'm going to give an invitation. If you don't have the blood in your house or on your heart, if Jesus isn't your Lord and Savior, today's a good day to get saved. So with all heads bowed and eyes closed, if you, wanna, if you need to make that decision today, I'm making a place for you to make that decision. Just raise your hand and I'll disagree with you. I'll agree with you, excuse me. Now may the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May he cause his face to shine upon you. May he turn towards you in your times of need. May he fill your home with light peace. Go today with the blessing of the Lord. Remember, he is a good God always. Everything that God does is good. He is a good God. He is for you and not against you. Cover your homes with the shed blood of Jesus Christ this week. Have a great week. See you soon.